0: Hey y'all, I'm Kua, and this is Kendra, and this is the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. podcast about inclusive cultures and everything DEI. Hey y'all, it's Kua from the Black Gems Dive In Podcast, and I am excited to be here with you all for episode two, in um, season two, and we're back. I'm actually here by myself. My co-host has taken some uh, self-care time, and I hope she's enjoying. Look forward to seeing her next week on episode three. Um, this episode is actually brought to you by Leadership Buffalo. Leadership Buffalo is an organization that makes Buffalo better uh, through collaborations, community awareness, and civic engagement. They unite leaders to take action. They have six programs that educate individuals and provide resources to make a difference. Uh, And they host a bunch of different events. They they go into the community and they really understand uh, the different layers that are happening in the community and what we can do to make a difference. I am a Leadership Buffalo grad, as well as my co-host Kendra. um, And we just encourage everyone to go to leadershipbuffalo.org and find out more uh, in terms of how you can be involved. So I'm really excited. We are joined today uh, by our lovely guest, Olivia, and I'm gonna call her Nurse Liv. So Nurse Liv, I'm gonna do a a quick introduction and then have you just kind of introduce yourself as well. And so Olivia, and she has about 12 letters that are after her name, y'all. She she is credited uh, as much as possible. So Olivia, she is a doctorate of nurse practitioner. I don't even know how you say this. Doctor of nurse practitioner Uh, a board-certified nurse practitioner in adult and geriatric health. She began her nursing career in 2011, gaining extensive experience in medical surgical telemetry and ICU step-down care. Throughout that time, she frequently served as a preceptor to new hires and nursing students alike. She's an advocate for continuing education. In 2014, Olivia became the first medical surgical certified nurse at her facility. She is the first um, in that sense, and it's a certification which has been widely adopted and encouraged among staff nurses. She was inducted into Sigma Theta Tau, International Honor Society of Nursing in 2016, and she served as a professional mentor to local nursing students, helping them navigate college and transition into the workforce. In 2018, Olivia was nominated for the Professional Nurses Association of Western New York's Nurse of Distinction Award. She coming to us with mad distinctions, y'all. Uh, for her commitment to delivering high-quality patient care and educational excellence. She's a two-time graduate of the University at Buffalo, where we're both um, alums. She's earned her BSN, so her bachelor's in uh, nursing in 2011, and DNP, that's a doctor, y'all, doctorate, in 2020. So her doctoral research focused on self-care habits and staff retention amongst nurses and she currently she left us y'all she she's working down in washington dc so welcome olivia so excited to have you
1: thank you it's good to see you Kua.
0: good to see you too we we go back we go way back to um undergrad at ub right and years uh, years and years so uh the black student union shout out to y'all bsu we met there and have continued to stay in touch and Liv is doing her dang thing. She is doing it. Um, and so yeah, welcome welcome to the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. We're so excited to have you today. We're going to um, actually dive right into our hot topic first. And so our hot topic is coming from uh, USA Today and it talks about attacks on Asian Americans and highlighting the rise in hate incidents amid COVID-19. And so there's a series of violent crimes against Asian, Asians and Asian-Americans and that has prompted activists and experts to warn that racist rhetoric about the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic may be fueling a rise in hate incidents. So and, uh, actually in California, there's been a lot of different things that have been happening. They arrested a suspect that was um, connected to a brutal attack of a 91 year old man in Chinatown and that was caught on camera. So they actually saw that whole incident happen. Um, In less than a week, a Thai man was attacked and killed in San Francisco. A Vietnamese woman was assaulted and robbed of $1,000 in San Jose. And a Filipino man was attacked with a box cutter on the subway in New York City. So Liv, you had mentioned that you saw um, some things on Instagram yesterday, kind of highlighting some of these incidents. Um, And they're basically warning people it's the lunar year, a big tradition is carrying like cash, you know, and so they're warning people that they need to just be, I guess, more um, aware of these things that are happening. And so it's a shame. A lot of this stuff, you know, you remember the rhetoric that was out
1: last year. Unfortunately, I think we all do, and I think that um, contributes significantly to people's ignorant behaviors. And unfortunately, um, we've seen the outcomes of that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's insane, right? Like. We know the former president was calling it the China virus, like and raising a lot of awareness around um, where the pandemic kind of originated, right, in China. But now you're seeing that kind of play out in what's happening today, and it's a shame. It really is. It is. You know, so there's a there's a lot of people that are talking about like activists coming out and having conversations and bringing awareness, and a lot of people of color that are standing in solidarity, um, saying, "Hey, we know what it is." to be victims of hate crimes as well. We need to band together um, with our Asian brothers and sisters, you know?
1: Right, and I think we've glossed over um, our history with Asian Americans in the past. It's not something that's heard about as often as our history. They haven't been as vocal about the traumas that they've suffered. Um, So I think that conversation is very long overdue because, you know, we've never done completely right by Asian American citizens, even the way we approach them. Um, I get patients where I am and people ask, well what are you? And they're like, I'm American. You know, but mm. well, what but what, what are you? They want to know, you know, where the origins from and people are multi-generational American, but it's always a question and it's it's not right. Um, so it's about time that people speak up, um, themselves included, but it's about time that we speak up for each other.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people talk about even the concept of this model minority, right? So this Mm -hmm. concept of being a model minority also kind of pigeonholes them um, because it's still being compared to whiteness essentially, Mm -hmm. right? So you're this model minority, which means you're the closest there is to this whiteness, which, you know, obviously it's still not benefiting them um, in in these instances. Right. And so I think Bringing awareness to that, um, making sure that people are standing in solidarity with our Asian American, um, you know, brothers and sisters, because it is a tragedy, and you know they're suffering right alongside us in, in terms of this pandemic. And so it's definitely something we wanted to bring awareness to, um, you know, as a hot topic this week. Right. And so kind of alongside the conversations that we we just had around like the pandemic, I wanted to to have a deeper dive into um, some of the the things that are happening right now. You know, we've been in a pandemic, it's been like a year now at this point. I know from your vantage point, you've seen a lot happening. I know, you know, the gerontology component and working with older adults that are really susceptible to uh, Corona and the the impacts that are happening as well. Uh, But we wanna take a deeper dive and have a conversation around the pandemic, around health equity, and um, the vaccines that are coming out because there's been a lot of conversation about vaccines. Right now, there is a limited amount in terms of what people are even able to access. Both of us being in healthcare have, have had access you know, through different programs to get the vaccine, but a lot of people still have questions around it. And so, you know, before we do that, let me just kind of back up and uh, let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit, the work that you do um, and what you've seen as as it relates to the pandemic as of
1: late? Um, you did a wonderful job introducing me. But <laughs> as far as my work experience and as it relates to the pandemic, so back this time last year, um, I was still in Buffalo, working at you know a large trauma based mm-hmm. hospital, and in the beginning, they sort of took the same perspective as the president, you know? Oh, it's nothing, it's just, a, you know, a virus, people get sick, they get over it. Um, but obviously we were very concerned um, because we, we're exposed to everything that comes through the door, right? Right. Um, so the, the, the culture started to change a little bit where we had really open and honest relationships, especially with our direct supervisors um, to, being weary of their leadership, especially um, as we progressed and, you know, the mass conversation came into play um, and the the casual face mask that we used to keep on the floor for um, standard procedures were all gone Hmm. and they would centralize the supply. Um, So obviously we're becoming more concerned, more anxious. We want to know because historically in that facility, you get everything. when they were preparing for Ebola, when that was the the crisis, um, those procedures were in place. So if this is going to be the new crisis, we want to be informed and able to protect ourselves. And that wasn't um, always on, on the, on the front of their minds as it was, as ours, um, as floor nurses. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a wild time. It was a lot of People just being angry. Um, I remember nurses um, really just preparing themselves to be out of work because nobody wanted to work in those conditions if we didn't have um, a means to protect ourselves. So it it was um, it was just a wild time, um, and we sort of had to learn as we went along, developing protocols to screen patients. Um,
0: who- because in the beginning.
1: There was, the there was no rhyme or reason there was and everybody nothing. was for themselves um so it was it was a crazy time luckily i have really really great coworkers um okay. and, and we made it through so
0: so then so at this point you're seeing masks that you know were for a certain protocol and things that mm-hmm. were coming in so you're seeing those things disappear people are kind of hoarding materials right. at this point so not only you know you Antizer. have obviously
1: sanitizer um because we used to give them the patients to keep at the bedside right okay all gone like um this disinfecting wipes things like that were all of a sudden missing mm. and then they told us you know don't be worried about you know things everything's going to be fine it's not that big of a deal so everybody sort of started to panic um i remember we all had conversations about planning you know we're 30 years old i should make a will things like that, because everything was so unclear. Nobody knew what was going to go on. Nobody knew the severity. Every once in a while you see a young person die, an old person die. Um, You look at the numbers from overseas. Everybody was just really nervous. Um, So we had some really real human conversations. Um, And you were sort of faced with your own mortality. And you don't think about that as a 30-year-old, especially not when you sort of, Model your life to avoid all the dangerous things, which right. nurses do, you know. Um, so that was that was uncomfortable, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it made it made a lot of us nervous.
0: So then, so you're you're in the the heightened sense of everything too, right? Because not only are you on the front lines, you're you're you know seeing these people come in and and having to kind of help in that sense, but you're also a person outside, right? So all the things from the toilet paper shortage and people hoarding stuff, you're also dealing with that as, as at the same time that you're dealing with this crisis head on. Um, and so that's I can't even imagine what what that was like. I mean, ours, you know, we're more of a community health center, mm-hmm. uh, primary care clinic, in that way. So we we saw, you know, our patients were coming in and folks were coming in, and we were nervous too, right? Like I remember we worked from home, um, you know, as administration and leadership. Not that long, you know, before we were coming back because we had to come up with those protocols and get all that stuff together. And so I remember, you know, those days, those early days coming in and being like, okay, you know, I'm wearing my mask, but who knows how this thing is really uh, working at that point in time. And so now it's been a year, you know, since we've seen it a little bit over a year since the first cases have come into play. And now we're starting to see some, some more of that data and demographics kind of come in to see who was impacted and disproportionately impacted the most. So we know, you know, based on that data that we've seen, um, communities of color have been disproportionately impacted by Corona uh, in terms of the amount of people that are getting it. I think also the amount of people that have died from it as well. And so when we think about just like those, those health disparities, we know, you know, anecdotally, right, some of the people that are on the front lines are more people of color and the work that we Mm do, um, you know, whether that be service industry or, or what have you. And so now we're in this situation where we've seen kind of the the devastating effects of it. And now there's this solution that is coming out in in terms of vaccine. And so, you know, if we talk a little bit about health equity, I guess, and like health, um, like the social determinants of health, and we've about that on the podcast before, but health equity is essentially removing all barriers um, that might preclude somebody from getting care, right? And so you think about all the different issues, and that's why I always bring up the social determinants because all these different factors, whether that be environmental, um, social factors, um, you know, whether you have education or access to care is, is one component of that, but all these other things kind of make up someone's total health and so when we think about the virus and kind of how that's impacted us to a lot of people and i don't know you know maybe you can answer this is it a surprise is it a surprise that we communities of color are dying more or having more issues what, what are your thoughts around that
1: i don't see it as a surprise um, Okay, like you said social determin- determinants of health where we live multi-generational homes you know um lower wage jobs that can be worked from home, mm-hmm. lower health status to begin with because we have less access to care, less trust in the medical system, le- less health literacy, um, mm. less advocates for us in the community. I'm, I'm not surprised. It was like the perfect situation. Um, mm. if, if a virus wanted to seek out vulnerable people, it, it, it knew exactly how to do it. Um, But when we discuss health equity in this sense, I think it's important for us to recognize um, the issues that African-Americans and people of color have with the healthcare Mm -hmm. system. If we don't acknowledge it, I don't think we have a chance at people um, believing that healthcare is equitable. Um, So I think one of the first steps is to acknowledge that um, I forget who was on television saying that they don't wash their hands enough. You mm. know, um, some politician. But I think it's important to acknowledge that, due to you know social factors, this pop this population is more vulnerable. And part of how we plan to protect you all and help foster your health is to address these. It has to be a a, a multifocal um, initiative to to help equal, you know, level the playing field for people.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I know recently, um, and it was last year, right? So we not only, I mean, there were a few different pandemics happening at the same time, mm-hmm. um, racism being one of them. And we seeing that kind of highlighted at a, at a heightened sense, uh, especially post George Floyd. And so I remember, I think it was a medical, the um, AMA, the American Medical Association said that racism is a public health threat and so even recognizing that all these different factors that come into play you know, as it relates to racism also obviously impacts the healthcare that we get. So when you think about the delivery, when you think about uh, people accessing it, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the vaccines. And now there's conversations that are being had around that. Where can you get the vaccine? Is it in the communities that need it the most? Or you know, right now they're putting it in Walgreens and CVS and those aren't always located in -hmm. in, um, areas where communities of color live. And so we see that play out in all these different facets, but I'm just wondering, you know, well, we we said it's not a surprise, right? This is something that we've kind of noted for a long time, but I guess, where do we go from here? So now we have this vaccine that's come out and there's a a variety of different vaccines. Um, The Pfizer vaccine, Moderna, the Johnson and Johnson one. What's the other one? AstraZeneca, I think Mm -hmm. is another. Form of the, these vaccines. And so they're coming out. People are having conversations. But I can tell you about two months ago, and I talked a little bit about this too on, on the pod, where I had posed a question just to my Facebook group to see, and Dolly, what are we finding out? How many people plan to take the vaccine? And um, if you don't, why not? And what might get you to take it? And so there were a variety of different responses. Um, you know, some of my friends, family, some of my associates that are on Facebook, people saying, hell no, I don't plan to take this. Um, It was rushed. It went through this fast, you know, uh, process. I think back then Trump and his uh, folks were calling it like Operation, what was it? Operation Quick Speed or something, Warp Speed. Warp
1: Speed, I think it was. Yeah.
0: Operation Warp Speed to get to this, um, you know, vaccine. And so a lot of people heard that, Mm-hmm. And we're just like, nah, you ain't going to make me your guinea pig and, and mm-hmm. stick me with some type of vaccine. We have this long-standing history in our communities mm-hmm. around not trusting doctors even. And, you know, we're trying to shift that. Us in healthcare are trying to have more conversations, but there's a lot of history that we, to your point, have to acknowledge. And so we saw that. Ha- what, were you, what were your, I guess, interactions with, with either friends, family, especially in communities of color? What was that like?
1: A lot of fear. Um, just because a lot of people didn't understand the process, um, which is okay. And a lot of people asked me for my opinion and if I was going to get it. So in that sense, I felt it was important for myself other nurses, um, anybody in healthcare of color to share their opinions. You don't have to agree or disagree, but I, I think it's important for us all to share, you know, facts and your experiences because- you influence other people that you don't even realize. Um, right. So a lot of fear. And I think that stemmed from the p- publicity around it um, right. and the misinformation that was spread because it wasn't something that was rushed. Um, the technology had been in development for many years. Right. This particular application was newer. But when the whole world is focusing money and energy on a, a, a solution, of course, is going to come about faster. than um, if a person works in a silo, um, but of course, that wasn't addressed on um, you know some particular news outlets. So lots of fear, but I think a lot of people were curious and open mm-hmm. to learning. Um, as somebody who was able to get vaccinated early, I shared uh, my experience with the first vaccine. And a lot of people were interested and they wanted to see how um, the process went, how I felt, if I had any side effects. Um, I know everybody saw the report with the uh, Bell's palsy. Oh my gosh, is is that going to happen to me? You know, understanding incidence rates, you know, things that people don't talk about if if they don't work in the field or if they don't if they weren't, you know, heavily involved in science and research, they wouldn't understand those those concepts. So I think for people who do understand it and they go through the experience, or if they don't, to help clarify information, it is definitely it has been useful. I've seen a lot of people that saw me get my first shot, um, or called me and you know checked on me how, and saw how I was doing. A lot of people have taken a step to get vaccinated, um, or in that or in that process. So. Um that makes it uh, rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, if if individuals take it upon themselves to educate others, I think we we'll, we'll, we'll fare better.
0: And I think you' you're touching on a really great point, especially when you think about communities of color and this concept around education, right? So we know a lot of folks um, sometimes get their news via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, a lot of people see different um, things kind of pop up. Like even today, I had noticed an article that was kind of circulating where I actually commented on there because they were saying um, in Central New York, I think it was in Syracuse there or a bunch of teachers that took time off um, because they got sick around their second vaccination. And mm-hmm. so those are some of the things that I think we need to talk about because the title was a little bit misleading.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know that there's side effects that you can expect, especially around, you know, dose number two of mm-hmm. the shot. And I think just kind of getting people prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Like for us as an agency, we kind of staggered when people were getting those shots, but we also uh, did it on like a Friday. So you would have the weekend to kind of recover and recoup right, so sure. that you weren't necessarily missing time. And so not everybody kind of did it that way, but um I, I kind of want to talk some uh, about some of the misinformation that's that's been kind of circulating, um, and and you you kind of mentioned one of them. I think Bell's palsy and people thinking that your your face is going to be now changed by taking this vaccine. What other things have you heard that you've kind of had to dispel around myths? You know.
1: Oh man, if I get the shot, you're going to give me COVID because you're giving me the virus. Um, if I, of course, everybody in the population that I work with, everybody thinks they're gonna be microchipped. Um, so oh. we talk about that quite a bit. Um, and what is this microchip? I don't right? know, because y'all <laughs> carry cell phones. Right. GPS, <laughs> and you got internet at home, you got enough satellites on you, okay? Right, You, you don't right. need a GPS in your arm. I don't know why people think um, of all the people to follow, it would be them. I wish I had that. Uh, <laughs>
0: That type of clout, right? Right, like, oh, they want me. Right, right.
1: No. Um, The Bell's palsy. um, People were concerned about Guillain-Barre. Now, Um, what's that? That is like a progressive um, neuromuscular weakness that was uh, correlated to vaccines way back when. Okay. They changed the formulation and that incidence went down dramatically. There's more people that get mboret now from West Nile virus, particularly in Western New York. but nobody was in a rush to um, drain their ponds or pools.
0: Interesting.
1: Know? okay. So, um, that was a new one. I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that. People will pull out all kinds of stuff. Of course the um, age- old um, you know vaccines cause autism. I wouldn't want my kid to get it, et cetera. Um, if you you get more money from whoever to vaccinate me,
0: um, oh, I did see some of those things. Oh,
1: er, anything that you can think of, um, it's always a conspiracy. You okay. Know? Um, so I've I've heard tons, tons. So so that brings us to uh,
0: we 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 put a poll out there for folks to ask questions to us and kind of you know answer them. And before I say that, I just want to say you know consult your primary care physician for anything, you know, we are not prescribing or telling you to do anything, um, please consult your doctor for that. But we will talk a little bit about some of the questions that people had and um, kind of just, you know, talk a little bit around those questions, if you will. So one of the first questions that came up and I, um, you kind of talked about, hey, if I get this, I'm gonna be microchipped, right? So like the ingredients in terms of what is in the shot, because a lot of people, Have talked about um oh there's a dead version of the shot you know there's, there's a dead version of the um of the virus that's that's entering into my bloodstream if i get the shot and i wanted to talk a little bit about that what is what are the ingredients and what are we looking at as it relates to um the vaccine
1: so people are um sort of right in their thinking typical vaccines that most people are familiar with so take for example like your flu vaccine that you get every year Right. Those can be live virus or attenuated or weakened virus. So it is a, a piece of a virus in no shots. However, the COVID vaccine is an mRNA vaccine. Okay. And that's the newer technology that we, we talked about earlier. An um, a mRNA vaccine is a piece of the virus's genetic material. Don't get alarmed, it does not enter your genetic material. You have DNA viruses have rna so they don't they don't mix okay so the talk RNA- a little bit about that you got to break this
0: on break this on down for the people break it on down if, so, if i don't know what the difference is you know right. i'm hearing that you're altering my dna right. I'm, you know
1: the, the virus has a a single strand genetic okay. material right we have double strands when you get the R- mrna vaccine it does not enter the nucleus of your cells the nucleus is where we hold our dna Right? It never enters there. You get this mRNA and it has a code for your body to replicate the spike proteins. Remember how they talked about on the news? Yeah, the, the coding of it, it looks like a little crown and that's why they call it Corona, the little spikes on it. Your body will then make those spikes, right? Okay but that's, that's the harmless part. That's how it attaches to your cell. Then your body recognizes this as foreign. It says, what is this? Oh my God, we got to get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Creates antibodies to attach to it and destroy it. That's it.
0: Okay, so, that's- so there's no, so in terms of my nucleus, where all my genetic information you good. is, you good. They good. don't mix,
1: They don't mix. It never crosses into your nucleus, no. Okay. Uh-huh. There's no live virus that enters you.
0: So, and that was a question that I actually posed to our medical director where I'm like, doc, do I need to be worried about, you know, I in mean, my childbearing ages, if I, you know, so happen to to want to have a child, you know, soon, is this something that I needed to be uh, uh, concerned about? And he also right. said the same exact thing. Because right. it doesn't enter into that nucleus, right? you know, he recommended it, essentially.
1: The only thing, um, when they did the trials initially, they didn't include pregnant women. Right. Anybody that knows research, you have to have special um, procedures and Uh, protections for pregnant women so they were not knowingly included in the study if they got pregnant between shot one and two they didn't receive the second one okay Um, okay but up to date if the those women that did get pregnant between the two shots they don't have any data that shows they were harmed Um, and it's
0: interesting that you bring that up because I have a colleague um, at work who got the vaccines when she was pregnant and I had asked her I was just like wow you know um, were you not concerned? And she said she actually had a conversation with her, um, her uh, OB, who said, no, you know, I recommend that you get it, you're healthy, all these other things. But like we said, please consult with your doctor, your OB. We're not telling you, um, you know, to, to get this, but I think it is important to kind of bring that up as, as it relates to um, the vaccine. So another question that was posed um, was, if you take the vaccine, is it a one and done? situation or are you gonna have to take it year after year like the flu shot, um, you know, we have to take every year? What what, what are your thoughts around that?
1: So that one, um, I'm, I'm confident saying we don't know yet. Right. Because um, remember this, this, these vaccines were um, brought to the public to, for emergency use, right? Because it's a global pandemic and this is the best form of prevention that we have because clearly We don't like to social distance or wear a (laughs) mask as much as we should, right? Right. And that hasn't been as effective as we would have liked. Um, So, generally, when the FDA clears um, medications, vaccines, whatever, um, they go through a process where they can monitor the long term effects while people are in the general public. That would be stage four. Okay. They got to phase three determined that it was safe and not causing harm and made it available. It was, um, they had a efficacy rate of 95%. So efficacy is measured in a controlled setting. But mm-hmm. so that's what you had at stage three. Um, we'll see the long-term effectiveness which is a different concept um, as people move about in public as time goes on. So will you need a booster every year Every few years, we're not sure yet. So right. There's more to be determined um, as it happens, and the people that get vaccinated, you are contributing to science um, because how you fare as the time goes on will help determine it.
0: Right, and I think that's a that's a great point because you know we we are used to seeing that, and a lot of people said that that like if I gotta take this every year, like I don't know if I want to, you know, essentially take it.
1: But you know, you could take it every year and. and Prevent it, or you could risk it every year getting it, and you don't know how you're gonna fare if you get it. So, I mean, if it's just a poke, is it is it really that bad? That was my own take on it. Right. You no, know, if if I'm gonna be a little um, calmer about taking a deep breath in public, then I'll I'll take it. You know what I mean?
0: I agree, and I I was of the same mind of that. I think you know because we're in the healthcare field, we we have to take the flu shots every year, right? right. And so I remember entering the health field, um, you know, I've been in it in some capacities, but actually having a clinic and, you know, people who are coming, we, we all have to get the flu shot. The interesting part about that, and everybody has their own policy, um, is if you didn't get the flu shot, you would have to wear a mask. Right. And so you would have to wear that no matter what, which is interesting, because I'm like, I wonder if that is going to like because mask is a, a part of our culture, our culture. Now, everybody's right. used to wearing masks. Like, I wonder if people now won't, but I think more than anything, they've seen like the, the regular flu rates have dropped um, because people, yeah. Yeah. with masks, with social distancing, with uh, with proper hygiene and people washing their hands and sanitizing a lot um, more often. And so we haven't seen those rates of the flu that we usually see. But um, for, for COVID, people had those kind of like concerns around like, am I gonna have to take this every year? Like, is this gonna be what I have to do? But to your point, I was like, look, I'd rather take this and know that I have some form of protection versus, you know, what happens if I, if I don't? So that, I, I just wanted to bring that question up. So, um, and, and that was another question somebody had asked, like, you know, how long does this vaccine work for? And we're still in the midst of figuring that mm-hmm. out too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And that'll go on for a while, especially um, people might see um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine coming up is gonna be a single shot. And they say, well, I'm going to just get that one. There's only one needle, right? People don't like to be poked, which is fine. But they'll see the numbers come out. And that that eff- effect- efficacy rate will be lower, because they're now fighting against their, their data is going against those different strains. So That's if you have a less effective vaccine, um, as the virus continues to mutate, it might we might not be able to get around um, getting, you know, immunized on a regular basis. The same as with the flu, you know, it mutates seasonally. um, And that's why we have to get it every year. Right. Um, So it'll, it'll, after some pushback, I think if that becomes the trend, I think at least the people who believe in the vaccine and who are open to it, will, won't see it as a barrier.
0: Right, so uh, another question that came from, from our engagement, uh, shouldn't we just wait for herd immunity, right? Like, can we just wait? Um, sooner or later, more people than not are gonna have it. I don't necessarily need to get vaccinated. It's gonna be common, like the common cold. Do I Do I just wait for herd immunity? What are your thoughts, I guess, around around that?
1: Um, I don't think it's a good idea because One, we don't know how many people have to be infected before we can say we have herd immunity. I think for like um, measles, 95% of the people have to be immunized to prevent the spread. You know, we don't know. I think they were estimating around 70% of people have to be immunized for this to to stop. Um, And they've been saying like, you
0: know, in order for 70% of that population to be immunized it would take us like nine months.
1: Right. So. To get there, that's not until late. I think Dr. Fauci said today, mid to late summer. Um, So, which I am not trying to hear
0: that, (laughs) right? How
1: many more people have to get infected? How many more people have to die, right, for herd immunity to develop? If I don't want to be a part of the herd, um, I wouldn't want to acquire passive immunity by getting the disease because what are you? You know, we don't know our odds. Right. We don't have any real effective treatments. Um, right. and it's yeah. almost just like playing Russian roulette. So when you say passive
0: immunity, kind of explain that to Perspivity, folks. Active,
1: active immunity. Active immunity, you get the disease and you fight it off, right? Okay. So that's that's what people are thinking. Um, if I get it, I'm good. You know. So passive, if I had it, I'm good. Right. Passive immunity, you get through vaccination. Um gotcha. I don't want to be one of the ones who Who are attempting to be protected by the herd you know what i mean i'd rather be in the herd than out
0: right so be a part of the herd get your immunity i mean um get your shot get your vaccine like your vaccinations right um in order for you not to have to worry about that because to your point it is russian roulette i've i've known people who've who've had um covid who have had mild symptoms maybe they lose their taste and smell everything else is normal and then the people who end up on oxygen and in hospitals on ventilators because they can't breathe. And so, how do we know, you know, which which experience we might have? Right. Um, so I think to that point, it is important to to consider.
1: I had a coworker get it, um, and this had to be in the summertime. He picked it up. Active runs, you know, in between twelve-hour shifts, eats fairly healthy, in shape. He lost thirty pounds and was out for three weeks. I said, wow. oh, that will put me on my back, okay? I, wow. I, <laughs> I said, if it did him like this and he in shape and healthy, I said, this will put me on my back. I said, I can't.
0: And so he, you know, somebody who's healthy and that's the other thing that you hear too. A lot of people saying, well, I'm healthy. You know, I'll just I'm not it as healthy off. as him. <laughs> Not running miles and miles Mm-mm. each day, you know? No. And he still had that type of adverse right. response. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to highlight. No matter how healthy you are, You still don't know how you're going to do in getting COVID. So protect yourself, I guess. And
1: when we talk about herd immunity, we got to remember, we live in a global world now. How many of us are itching to get on a plane and go somewhere, right? You know I am. Now you're going to go enter somebody else's herd where due to, you know, global economics, they might not have enough vaccines in that area to slow the spread. So now... You thinking, oh, all of the U.S. is vaccinated. It's August 2021. I'm good to go. Well, that was okay if you stayed in the states, but now right. if you go to wherever that whose government couldn't afford the vaccines on the open market or who doesn't have a robust vaccination plan, and you're around these people, you just you know you basically starting over. So your herd is not that small. We yeah. we have to remember that. Because, you know, people, people move constantly.
0: And I think you're seeing, you know, especially, uh, we, we love to travel. I know you love to travel. Mm-hmm. We always think about our next flight deal and, and where we're headed to. Um, it's been crazy not being able to do that right now. I feel crazy in that sense. But I think, to your point, that's a really good point. And you talk about um, other countries and their approach to the vaccine. But the reality is, we have a shortage in the United right. States. Right. So because we, have we a lack
1: on the open market. And if you want to be a, a ethical traveler, you should right. probably be vaccinated before you go spread the germs to people who don't have the systems to control uh, a pandemic. You know, say you that to,
0: again. You ethical want to sleep traveler. well at
1: night, right? You don't. Right. To, you don't want to take cooties across the globe <laughs> 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 unnecessarily. You know, so do do those people a favor and consider it as well. So
0: I think that's a great point too, because I saw saw an article that made me kind of smile. I was sending it to some of my friend groups um, and they were hating because they don't have access yet. They're not in the healthcare um, field. Some are educators and getting their vaccine like Kendra um, and I, but a lot of folks have been keeping eye on, um, I guess the CDC just recently came out and talked about this whole notion of quarantining if you are vaccinated. And so they've been saying you know, they recommend that you don't necessarily have to quarantine if you get the vaccine. So I don't know if you've heard anything more about that or is that something that we're waiting to kind of develop a little I bit? I saw more.
1: that. Um, and I guess the theory is if you have the vaccine and you you went through the proper protocols and you waited the time after the second shot that you won't be um, infected. Yes. But uh, it's my understanding that we don't know if you can just carry along the virus. You know what I mean? Um, so that's that's all well and good. Um, I think that'll keep people at work. Right. Um, which is beneficial to the economy. Um, would I go around my grandmother if I had been exposed, even though I was vaccinated? No. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. So um I think. They'll have more to say about that as we go along. Right. Um, because they're still learning.
0: So another question that came um, from one of our listeners uh, is I had COVID already. I, you know, I tested positive for antibodies. Um, aren't I protected? You know, do I, can I get COVID again? Aren't I protected? How long am I protected? Um, and do I need to get the vaccine if I've already had COVID? So I don't know if you have any thoughts around that.
1: I've had people who had tested positive for COVID, had COVID, tested negative, and then tested positive again, and had symptoms both times. Um, So I think that's another, we don't know answer, how long do antibodies last? Um, Do those old antibodies protect you from new strands? You know, I think, I think that's a, we don't know at this point in time. Um, Okay.
0: And so, I mean, the recommendation is still get that vaccine, right? Like if you, if you, um, have
1: it, it's not a, it's not a contraindication to not get the vaccine. If you've had COVID before.
0: Right, right. So, and so the recommendation is, is go ahead and go on and get, go on and get, you know,
1: you, you don't know how long those immunities last. Right, right, right. So,
0: so I guess, you know, and thinking about, what things we should be practicing right now. And I know we've, we've we've heard this in terms of like some of the best safety measures um, in the meantime, because there's a lot of people that do want to get vaccinated, but mm-hmm. lack of access right now because the distribution has, has been slow. What, what should they be doing in the meantime as they wait until they can get vaccinated?
1: The same thing they've been telling us the entire time, masking, um, they're saying now that uh, like we knew all along, i was looking at an old post on facebook the single ply fabric is not good enough the double ply fabric is not good enough you're better off double masking if you have something like that and something tighter fitting to the face is best okay Um, social distancing and hand washing it's the it's the same things that we should have been doing all along um, that are most effective so uh, one of the last questions
0: that, that came up, and I think uh, folks were asking about our experiences. And so both of us have shared our experiences, at least um, on social media, so folks mm-hmm. can understand. To your point earlier, I think it's really important that people hear from people that look like them, um, mm-hmm. that have similar cultures and backgrounds as they do, to understand it a little, a little bit more, to talk and have shared language around um, what's happening. But one of the questions was, uh, were you nervous when you got the vaccine, what were your thoughts around your thoughts around you know that?
1: I was super nervous because we were getting some of the first batches, and I'm like, hmm, I don't get nothing the first round. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't buy the first set of new iPhone first nothing. So I was like, hmm, I'll let some of my coworkers go first, right? And they seemed to do okay. And then like the number of requests, because you had to sign up online at my job, the number of requests ballooned. Okay. First um, couple of weeks, they offered it. Maybe 300 people signed up. Then I went to sign up and it was about 900 people. I said, oh, okay. So everybody's trusting it. I started noticing people who, um, didn't really believe in it. It's a hope, you know, didn't believe that it was a problem. Um, get vaccinated people who work from home you know, people who, who have access but don't necessarily need it right now, people coming in to get vaccinated. I'm like, hmm, well, maybe maybe it is safe, right? right. But just like everybody else, you know, I we, we were both um, AS minors in college. We learned about everything. So of course, you know, I'm a clinician, but that's in the back of my mind too. Right. right? But when I see people, who don't look like me feel safe enough to get it. I said, well, <laughs> I don't maybe, maybe you know, if we want to be blunt, maybe they won't be pulling fast ones on each other. Right. Right. You no. Know? Right. So maybe I maybe I'll just go on, go ahead and get it and, and try it out and see. But of course I was nervous. Um, but luckily I'm equipped to do my own research. Right. Um, I had some access to some of the some of the literature. Um, and that was that was reassuring. Once I was able to to read it, digest it, understand it, um, that reassured me.
0: Um, yeah, I have to I have to agree with you in that sense. And it's it's interesting because I think the lack of access made people want it even more. Um, and they were like, look, to your point, once everybody kind of saw people getting it, even the people that that weren't for it before were all of a sudden like, let me get this. If everybody else is in line. And who knows when the next time you'll have the availability to get that was it to,
1: my you know you know take time you know we had early access to it and that's that's almost like a privilege, but while people wait, go ahead and educate yourself now. So when it's time when it's your turn, you're not hemming at harm because once you miss that call, it might not come back around. You might have to wait a while, and right. who knows what could happen between, um, you know, that wait you could get sick. They could monetize it. You know, yeah yeah um, so you have to be ready to jump on it and that yeah, that was my whole thing take the time now to get ready
0: to get ready right learn about it now and it, same thing for me like I definitely was nervous but um and having those conversations with my trust you know and it's the thing like go to people that you trust um, but also make sure that it's people that know how to research know how to read them between lines there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that is out there um, you know for folks to to, to see but for me, it was going to my medical director. Um, he's Nigerian. I, I, I'm like, doc, should I be taking this? Do you suggest I take this? And you know, if I want to have kids in the future, are they going to be born with one arm? You know, like that type of thing. And he was the one who talked about that whole idea of it not coming into your own DNA in the nucleus. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm understanding this more. Let me go ahead and sign up. And so um, we only have a few minutes left. I did want to, um, you know, talk about the the vaccines that we both got because I think you got. Was it Pfizer?
1: Yep, I got Pfizer.
0: You got Pfizer. I got the Moderna vaccine. Both of them needing two shots. You know, mm-hmm. you had to go a month after you got your first dose. Um, so, what was that process like, and what were your symptoms? Because that's another question that people have been asking. And then we'll we'll end on that on that note.
1: So the first shot, um, you know, they had a very thought, and that was that was my biggest concern. How are they going to organize this mass vaccination program? because um, where I work, everything is fragmented and it drives me insane. Okay. So that was my concern, how they gonna organize this? How they gonna keep track of what I got, when I got it? But they, they came together and they, they shocked me. They had it um, organized really well. You signed up for a time that was convenient for you. They took you in groups of six or seven um, and they distanced you out and they mm-hmm. vaccinated you and then they observed you for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, you know, emergency response cards there, highly qualified people to, to intervene if needed. And I don't think, I haven't heard of anybody needing that level of care afterwards. Right. As far as the actual shot, I hate needles. Um, but the first one, she was so gentle, I, I barely felt it. It, it was great. Um, afterwards, my arm was a little sore. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, all the anxiety of getting vaccinated um and it's, it's funny because like two days later or a day or so later I had like tingling on my lips and I was like I know I'm not gonna be one of these people that get the vaccine and then they get Bell's palsy and now I'm gonna have to go tell all these people right it. you know after I didn't talk talk to y'all on Facebook about it and now it's gonna be me right? But I think what happened was I have a nut allergy and my co oh. is a grazer and she was bouncing around the room with her nuts and I think she contaminated me that way. Got you. But of course in my mind I'm like Something's I'm, gonna be, going on. I'm gonna be patient number five, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna have my face on the news. Right. But I was fine. Um, so the first shot didn't really bother me. Some of my coworkers had very mild um, side effects, which are things that we expect. And they took Tylenol and they were fine. Right. The second shot, she was a little more heavy handed, so that one hurt, but I think it was part of just the way she administered it. Okay. Um, And I did have a little bit of a fever, some fatigue, but Tylenol cleared that up. Um, So talk to your doctor about if you can use Tylenol. Right. Uh, I know my mom got vaccinated yesterday. And she okay. took Tylenol beforehand and she was fine. Um, so if that's something you can use, talk to your doctor about it. And if you're having some side effects that, that should um, take care of so it. That, that, but as far as like major adverse effects, no. If you have my allergies, experience. right? if you have allergies um, or something that could cause anaphylaxis, so throat swelling, lip swelling, scratchy throat, difficulty breathing, if you, you should, one, you should have an EpiPen if you are prone to having that kind of reaction. Two, mm-hmm. bring it with you. Highly unlikely that you would need it, but in the event that you needed it, it's there. You right? have it. Right, and whoever's observing you will know how to use it. Um, so that's one recommendation, particularly with the second shot um, that my facility does make. Okay, okay. So, um, but I like I said, I haven't heard of anybody needing it, so.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, my my experience uh, was was a good one as well. Like I, I had the Moderna vaccine, I got my first shot um, in January. I had some arm pain, right? Like some localized arm pain, but it was similar to kind of how the flu shot is, if you've mm-hmm. ever had the flu shot. So it feels like somebody kind of punched you in the arm. So like you are raising your your arm a little, it's stiff. You're like, okay, this is this feels a little uncomfortable, but outside of that, for me, I didn't have any adverse effects either. I did have some colleagues who on their first uh, shot had some aching, some, um, you know, fever and, and thing like things like that, but same thing, took Tylenol. And literally, they all said like 24 hours, they felt fine, like nothing had happened. It was so weird yeah. in that sense. And then, you know, my second shot was the same same thing. And actually, it hurt less than my first one in terms of like the arm soreness. So um, I, I was telling some of my friends, I was, w- I woke up in the middle of the night, like just saying like, do I feel like, am I, do I feel
1: stretching I your face? I'm good. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right,
0: I don't, you know, so, um, but yeah, I didn't have any major side effects and I was really thankful. I mean, I had gotten up, I was cleaning, I was with yeah. music on, dancing, I felt good. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, like we said, please check in with your, your doctor, please check in with your, um, you know, primary care physician. And your doctor to get some more information around it. But both of us, being Black women, being in the healthcare profession, see the need for us to really take vaccines seriously. And so, um, you know, I wanted to bring Nurse Liv on to kind of go through her experiences. And, you know, she was eyes on the ground uh, for a lot of this. And so we appreciate you coming on to the Black Gems Dive In Podcast, uh, episode two. And we always give, um, you know, just give you an opportunity to kind of leave folks with your gem of the day. What, are you, what do you want to leave the people?
1: There is a really, really, really awesome Black woman by the name of Lisa, and I'm going to forget her name, but she's a professor in the psychology department at GW. Okay. Um, and she focused, Lisa Boleg, and she focuses her research on... Um, intersectionality and how it relates to health disparity, and she she says, you know, she gives wonderful talks, particularly about um, HIV and uh, men of color. And she she has this this thing that she says, and it's um, at you know, it's not a disparity, it's a disservice, right? The mm-hmm. disparity is a difference. Now we know there's a difference right? And how we uh, receive healthcare. People are doing a disservice to you Hmm. if they don't take the necessary action to end that disparity. Um, So I would just give people a word of encouragement to seek out the right information. If you go to a provider that you don't feel is truthful, or you can't ask questions, or you don't feel comfortable, or you don't feel like they're meeting your needs, find a new one. Um, Absolutely. Continue to use your voice in the community, people like you, Akua, people like Kendra, to advocate for people who can't advocate for themselves because it's enough. We've done enough research and we collected enough numbers to recognize the disparity, but if we don't address it, we are just as culpable as any other factor in the problem. Um, so kudos to you for what you do, for, for using your voice in the community. Um, I applaud you. And just keep 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 up the work because it's a it's a lot that needs to be done, but it's doable, right? Right. We can get there because we know we know how to use our voice to make everything else in the world pop. We know how to lead in every other arena and make everything else a trend and fix everybody else's problems. Now we gotta fix our own. So
0: amen. I I love that. I love that. So we'll leave the people with that. We also give the opportunity, I don't know if you want um to plug any social media, any sites, anything like that?
1: Uh, No, I am not an influencer. Um, I really appreciate you for having me. Um, If people have questions, they can contact you and I'll get those answered and back to them. Um, Awesome. But thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. And
0: thank you, um, Liv, for coming on. Nurse Liv, look, doctor, doctorate, nurse practitioner, yeah. With, all, with all the letters after her name and so proud of you and the work that you're doing um, and continue, right? We all need to, to be in this fight. So we appreciate y'all for tuning in to episode two of the Black Gems Dive In podcast. Uh, find us on social media and interact with us. Let us know how you um, like the topic and any other topics that you want us to discuss uh, for the season. So thank you again for coming on and we will see y'all next
1: week. Peace.
0: Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Black Gems Dive In Podcast.
1: Make sure you rate and subscribe on all of the major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Make sure
0: you follow us on our social media platforms, at Black Gems Dive In on Twitter and Instagram, and at Black Gems Dive In Podcast on Facebook.